Hey friend, welcome to the Alive Living Podcast. My name is Sarah Raquel Gauthier, and I'm excited for our journey together. We are all spiritual beings on a spiritual journey, but sometimes we may feel like we're stuck and not fully living. The good news is, is that Jesus came so that you could have life and life abundantly. So let's stop sleepwalking and start living alive one conversation at a time. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? It's the first question that Jesus asks a group of followers that were looking at him, wondering, who is this man? He turns to them and he asks, what are you seeking? I love that question that Jesus poses to us because I think it meets us all where we are. We're all on this spiritual journey. We're all seeking something. And I think if we're honest, at our most basic level, what we're seeking is wholeness. But what is wholeness? Perhaps the best way uh, for me to illustrate what wholeness is, is by bringing you into a story. A few years ago, I had one of the biggest leadership fails of my life. Um, I spent years leading groups and um, working with people, leading teams, and there was a season of my life where I didn't really realize it, but I was kind of just unraveling at my core. And I walked into a group of people who I was leading, who I was managing, who I was working with, who looked up to me, and I spoke to them in a way that demeaned them, in a way that belittled them, in a way that made them feel small. And I walked out of that room knowing deep inside of me that I had missed the mark, that I had fallen short of who I long to be as a leader, who I long to be as a person, who I long to be just as a human interacting with other humans. I remember as I left that room, I I went to the bathroom and I just sat in the stall realizing something's not right. Something wasn't right in me. I had fallen so short. I had missed the mark so desperately. I realized that even though like I've been on this journey with Jesus and Jesus and I have been walking together for so many years, I had lost sight of leaning towards him, leaning towards wholeness. And I think we have to acknowledge that we all fall short, that we all miss the mark, that even as we try, even as we show up every day and we give it our best, our willpower is not enough to make us whole. And so as we come to this question of what are you seeking? And if the answer to that question at its most basic level is that we are all seeking wholeness, I think it's important for us to remember that we were created out of wholeness to be in wholeness with ourselves, to be in wholeness with God, and to be in wholeness with one another. 
when I think about um, the good news, the gospel, I think something that we've lost sight of in our present moment is really having a clear understanding of what is this good news that Jesus came to offer us? What is this good news that we can experience life and life abundantly? Like, what is it, as it at its most basic level? And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine with me a complete circle. A circle that has no breaks, a circle that has no ruptures, no disruptions in the line, but it is a whole circle. This whole circle represents how we were created, how we were designed, that when Jesus created us, when God designed us, when the Holy Spirit spoke into life, our being, God looked at us and he said, this is very good. What I have created is very good. This is whole. This is good. This is blessed. This is a representation of what it means to be perfect, what it means to be whole, what it means to experience full shalom. That circle, without any obstructions, without any interruptions, it is whole. That's how God designed us, in wholeness. And now I want you to imagine a second circle right next to that first circle. And in this circle, there's a line that goes vertically from top to bottom through that circle. And this vertical line that passes through the circle, it obstructs the wholeness of that circle. And this is a representation of what sin does in our lives. Sin, at a definition level, is us missing the mark. It essentially means, in the original language, that we have missed the mark, that we have fallen short. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to acknowledge that we all fall short. It, it, it doesn't matter how good we think we are. It doesn't matter how, how much we try to be good enough, to be great enough. We always fall short. And it's interesting to me, you know, I think about um, for my life, like I, I, I went to undergrad, then I went to law school and I was on track to, to do all the things and to force all the things to happen in, in the exact ways that I would want them to happen. And yet, um, it doesn't matter how much I do and how great I perform. Something outside of me has to bring me into wholeness. Something that exists outside of me has to bring me into wholeness. And so I know that I have certain destructive tendencies that don't tend towards the goodness that God created me out of. I know that I have certain tendencies. I have, at times, I can have a very critical spirit towards myself and towards other people. And I know that that's me falling short of how I was designed. I know that there are times when I can speak to people like I did when I walked into that room in a way that was not building them up, but was tearing them down. And so when that second circle that has that vertical line obstructing it from top to bottom. It's a representation of how our tendencies towards self-destruction are, uh, are the ways that we miss the mark. You see, it, it causes us to be separated from that communion with God, from that wholeness with God, from that wholeness with ourselves, and from that wholeness 
with all of creation. And now I want you to imagine a third circle next to the circle that has the line through it. And this third circle, I want you to imagine that that vertical line turns not just simply into a vertical line, but it turns into a cross. Where there's a vertical line and there's a horizontal line. And this is Jesus coming into our context. Jesus incarnated. Jesus, he came into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peter says. says. He came with flesh and blood on The light has shone into the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And Jesus comes and he lives in our context and he goes to the cross. In this extraordinary act, Jesus, the son of God, he who did not know sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus on that cross takes on our destructive tendencies, takes on the ways that we fall short, takes on the ways that we miss the mark, that we aren't good enough. Jesus takes that on. And what I love so much about Jesus is that in him taking that on, he doesn't just die. (laughs) He resurrects. And so the cross doesn't just represent Jesus's death. It also represents his resurrected life, showing us that when we choose to believe in him, when we choose to receive his life for our life, the great exchange, that we have this opportunity to step into new wholeness, to step into a a kingdom where death has no sting, where when we accept Jesus, we, we begin to walk in our eternity today. I think it's important for us to remember that our belief in Jesus isn't just about us getting into eternity that's far off and distant. No, our acceptance of Jesus, our declaration that Jesus is Lord of our lives is a declaration to say, no, that I can experience Jesus now, that I can experience the new life now. The Bible tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ or if anyone has accepted Christ, the old is gone They become a new creation. You receive Christ and we accept Christ. I begin my new future today. Eternity begins today. That's the good news. It's a good news for eternity, but it's a good, good news for now also. And so as we imagine this third circle with the cross that goes through it, It's a representation that there is an opportunity for us to experience wholeness, but not a wholeness that we force into being, but a wholeness that happens through the finished work of the resurrected Christ on a cross. Now I want you to imagine a fourth circle. This fourth circle looks very much like the first circle because it's completely whole. The circle, once again, has no obstructions. Once again, there's no interruptions in the perfect eternal circle that exists. And that is the wholeness that we begin to walk into as we journey with Jesus together. 
These four circles for me represent the basic idea of the good news that Jesus came, that we were created out of wholeness, out of communion, to be in wholeness and in communion. But that sin enters the picture and it breaks off that wholeness that we had with Christ and with God and with ourselves and with one another that we miss the mark and that we, if we're really honest, we know that we fall short and it doesn't matter how much we force it. It doesn't matter how much we will it. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We cannot on our own tend towards wholeness again. But Jesus came into our context knowing that what we were seeking was to be whole again. That what we were seeking was to experience the blessed life, the good life that we were designed out of. And it's because of Jesus's resurrected work on the cross that we can begin to experience wholeness again in that fourth circle. And it's a new wholeness. It's not like the wholeness that we experienced in the beginning in our creation narrative. No, it is a new wholeness that leans and tends us towards eternity, where our eternity begins now, where we don't have to wait to experience the blessed life and the life of shalom, the life of wholeness, the the life of our full potential that, that Jesus came to offer us, the life of abundance that we step into. No, we can experience wholeness now there's a prayer in a book that i've been reading called um, invitation to a journey by m robert mulholland jr and i'd encourage you if you are uh, interested in learning more about spiritual formation and and just understanding um, some of these basic tenets around what does it look like to become more like christ this has uh, been a really easy read, but a really um, important read for me over the past uh, few weeks. But um, in chapter three, he begins the chapter with a prayer. And I want to just interrupt our conversation now to pray this prayer together as an expression of our desire to lean towards wholeness and lean towards this pursuit that I think is true for all of humanity, that at our most basic, we are desiring wholeness. And so I want to pray this prayer with us together just to interrupt our conversation and posture our heart right before God before we continue to think a little bit more practically about what it might look like to lean towards wholeness. So let's pray together. He writes, gracious and loving God, it is with thankfulness that I hear your call to become Christ-like Something deep within my heart stirs in its heavy sleep at your call. The memory of something I was to have been, but am not, yet still could be, flits on the fringes of my consciousness. O loving God, stir up this hunger in my heart until it becomes the all-consuming passion of my life. Amen. Dr. Jeremy Lube talks about um, wholeness from a brain perspective. And he's a neurologist that says, it's not about becoming less broken. It's about becoming more whole. It's not about becoming less broken. It's about becoming more whole. What I like about his perspective around our journey towards wholeness and thinking about it from a a neurological perspective is that um, he 
at a, at a baseline acknowledges that we are broken, that we do fall short, that there are things in me that try as I might, I still fall short. I still walked into a room full of people and belittled, belittled people and, and made people feel like less than and, and dehumanized people, even though at the core of who I am, that's not who I desire to be, but I still fell short. I still revealed the brokenness of my soul. And so from a, from a neurological perspective, I like that he acknowledges that there's going to be things inside of us there are parts of us that are broken, but it's not about becoming less broken. It's about becoming more whole. It's about leaning towards wholeness. And he talks about how um, our brains are hardwired to transform. And for even from a biblical perspective, we know that this is true because Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, do not be um, conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so brain science has taught us in recent years that we have neuropathways in our brain. And um, we think, the average human thinks about 60,000 thoughts per day. 60,000 thoughts per day. And 40,000 of those 60,000 thoughts are usually negative thoughts. Think about that for a moment. You think 60,000 thousand thoughts per day and 40,000 of those thoughts are negative thoughts and our thoughts create neural pathways in our brain so if 40,000 of the thoughts that I'm thinking are negative thoughts then I'm creating thoughts in my brain that are negative that I'm thinking thoughts in my brain that tend towards my fallenness that tend towards my brokenness. But what neuroscience has taught us is that this idea of neuroplasticity, that our brains have the capacity to rewire the neural pathways in our brains. And this is incredible to me because if I think about the four circles and the first circle being a circle that of my design, that I was designed out of wholeness for wholeness, that even from the beginning, the Lord designed me in a way that I would be able to rethink my thoughts, that I could train my brain and my mind could be transformed to experience wholeness. So even though I might think 40,000 thoughts a day that are negative thoughts, I have the potential inside of the, the design of my brain to reconstruct those neural pathways. And that should give us hope because it means that the way that I might have a negative toxic loop in my brain, for me, the negative toxic loop that's, that's always been kind of just present, latent there is this idea that I'm not good enough, that I'm always gonna fall short, that I'm not worthy, not good enough, always fall short not worthy and it's contributed over the years for me really having to assess this insecurity that i walk around with in the deep kind of recesses in my mind but over the past several years as i've learned more a lot more about brain science and i've learned more about what it looks like to be transformed by the renewing of my mind i am brought back to this reality that 
not only do I have the capacity and the potential to think new thoughts, to hold my thoughts captive to the will of God, but I also have this potential to remember who I am. And when I remember my, my, my being in Christ, that I am the beloved of Christ, that when Christ sees me, he sees me as blessed. That when God looks at me, God looks at me through his son Jesus and he sees me as somebody who is fearfully and wonderfully made. And I, I can begin to remind myself of who I am, of my being, of my ontology, of who I am. And when I do that, it's begun to really be this powerful um, thought loop for me that has uh, that I know has changed my neural pathways so that the toxic thought loops that played on and on have been intercepted and have been interrupted by a thought loop that is connected to my being in Christ to my wholeness in Christ and I think that's what it looks like to become not less broken but more whole it's to allow who God says I am, what the word of God tells me about my being, the beloved of Christ, a child of God, fully formed and wonderfully made. Like reminding myself of these truths about who I am is what helps me to lean towards becoming more whole. And so I think this revolution in, in neuroscience is, is, is really helpful for us as children of God, as followers of Christ, to begin to realize that it's not that we're forcing it into being, but it's that we have this capacity, this God-given capacity to not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. I can set my mind on the things of God. I can hold my thoughts captive to the truths of God, to the realities of God. The Bible promises us that we have the mind of Christ. And so um, for me, that's such a transformative way to to begin to walk and, and move through my days as I think about wholeness. And um, one of the important studies that uh, Dr. Jeremy Lube, the neurologist that we've been talking about, says is that we have to move away from a self-help approach to a self-care approach. And we've talked a lot um, in our cultural moment about about self-care. And he asked this he asked this question. He says, "How are you working to make yourself a healthier version of yourself by a three to five percent growth every year, year over year?" And having realistic and healthy expectations of that growth over a lifetime. Basically what he talks about is that our brains only have the capacity to grow, to transform 3 to 5%. So as humans who are um, on the spiritual journey and we're always being formed by all of our experiences, by everything that we go through in life, we only have the capacity to transform three to five percent if we're doing it in an intentional way and so some of you may be thinking man like a three to five percent rate that doesn't seem like very much I have all these new year's resolutions the problem is is that by the time it's the third day I failed those resolutions but here's the truth 
we can really only grow at a three to 5% growth year over year. That is the sustainable threshold to our growth. And it's, it happens that that, that measure of, of our growth happens when we do it in a very intentional way. And so he talks about how it's important to understand the scope and measure of how complicated growth is, but how beautiful it is to be intentional about our own growth that we have this capacity to realize, okay, I might not grow in one year by 50%. I might not transform in one year by, by 50%. But if I can be intentional about my growth and the practic- practices that they're going to lend me towards wholeness and towards becoming more of who I was designed to be at a three to 5% rate, then over the course of a lifetime, I'll be able to look back and see the arc of how I have transformed little by little. We just finished uh, a decade and I um, have been having a lot of conversations with friends and family about what this past decade of, of my life has looked like. And um, if I'm being really honest with you, it's, it's been a it was a really challenging decade. I was 23 when the last decade began, and um, part of that season of my life was I was finishing up law school, trying to figure out what was next for me and um, what that journey would look like. And I, and I think at that time I had already known that I was really wanting to work with entrepreneurs and small business owners, and really wanting to tap into um, that universe of of lawyering which was very different from what I thought I was going to do as as an attorney um and then uh, taking the bar exam and I had to take the bar exam three times because I I failed it and that was like the first big big failure of my life and wondering okay god like I thought we were going to be a lawyer how is it that I keep failing the bar exam and yet there was some extraordinary favor on my life where I was able to practice law without like fully being uh, an attorney and um, just was able to, to be part of an organization that, that supported me so much along, along that journey of those, that first, you know, um, my first job and my first experience outside of law school. And, um, but this was also the decade when I started to wrestle with, am I going to be a lawyer forever? Like, is this going to be what it is? And it was, uh, the decade where my father passed away five years ago. So right in the middle of the, this past decade, um, my dad passes away and, and just the experience, this loss of someone so, so dear, near and dear to me at, at such a young age in my late twenties. And, um, what it looks like to have walked through um, just really seasons of questioning and hardship and like, how could this happen? And um, so a lot of kind of that, that unlocked a lot of hardships and a lot of trauma that, that came as a result of that. Um, and as, even as I look at the arc of the past 10 years, I also just can see the way that God has been forming me more and more into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And I can see how, God has used, um, in a very slow way, in a very intentional way, just experiences of loss, loss of relationships, loss of jobs, loss of the future that I envisioned for my life, loss of dreams, loss of finances, loss of all of these things. But God has used um, all of these things that should have pointed more to my brokenness to make me more whole as I've surrendered to him and as I've sought out him and and sought out my wholeness in him and I think for me one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over these years is 
in our pursuit towards wholeness, so much of that pursuit is about surrender and understanding that if it's only a three to five percent growth that I have the 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 physiological capacity to make year over year throughout the course of my life, if that's the the percentage, three to five percent growth, then what that means for me is that I have to surrender my drive to to see transformative growth over a, a short span of time that I have to surrender my my desire to force things to happen in the way that I want them to happen it means that I have to yield to the the rhythms of grace that look so different than my pace and so as we kind of come to a close to our conversation today um I wonder for you what that three to five percent growth will look like this year. If wholeness is not about becoming less broken, but about becoming more whole at a small and intentional micro pace throughout the course of our lives, then what might that look like for you? And what are the practices that you can begin to engage in that can remind you of who you were designed to be? I love in the prayer we talked about, it, it alludes to the memory of something I was to have been, but am not, yet could still be. It reminds us that wholeness is about how we have been transformed, we are being transformed, and we will be transformed. And so what might that 3 to 5% growth look like for you year over year what are the practices that you have to begin to engage with to move towards wholeness and understanding that so much of those practices are going to be about surrender so much of those practices are going to be about yielding to the god who works all things together for the good, but does it in his timing and not in ours. After I walked into that room full of people and um, spoke in a way that was destructive and not in a way that was for the building up, not in a way that spoke life into them, it led me on a journey to begin to engage in some really intentional practices to help remind me of the truth that I was designed out of wholeness to be in wholeness, but that my brokenness and my the, the ways that I fall short, it doesn't matter how much I forced it, I was, I, st- I was still in need of a savior. I was still in need of someone who could help me along that journey. And so for me, um, it led me on a journey of, of, of just thinking about like what are some of the practices that I can engage in to, to remind me about wholeness. And probably one of the most important practices that I've cultivated over the past, um, well, I, I kind of began the journey a year and a half ago, but it took me a long time to figure out what it was going to look like. So again, that goes back to the 3 to 5% growth. Um, and so the, there was this practice of Sabbath. And um, 
for me, I had been functioning at such a high, high degree of just outpouring and output for, for so many years. I, I've described it to some folks as I, I think for a decade of, you know, working two jobs that, that at one point there were two part-time jobs, but they felt like two full-time jobs and, and just like working 40, 60 hour weeks on a regular basis and thinking like, this is just the way it is and serving and giving and doing all these things and going through all these motions. I was pouring out and God's favor was on it. But it's like, if you imagine uh, a cup that has this capacity to pour out, but there are also holes inside of it so that it's also draining out from, from every side. And that's kind of how I, I felt over the course of about 10 years of my life. And, um, really for the last two year and a half learning of, of the significance of Sabbath, the significance of taking time, a 24 hour period um, of just reminding myself of who I am in Christ, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, that he who knew no sin became sin for me so that when God looks at me, God sees me as whole. God sees me as blessed. God sees me as very good. And so this practice of taking a 24-hour Sabbath, of, of reorganizing and reorienting my entire life so that for me it's on Fridays to take a 24-hour rest on Fridays. And um, it looks different depending on the season. When it's nicer outside, I'll, I'll be outside skateboarding or I'll be outside um, running or, or walking or just experiencing nature and reading outside and, and, and journaling outside and doing all these things outdoors because I love that. Right now, the season is, is not really an outdoor season, um, the winter in Boston, but um, finding different rhythms of just being able to have life-giving conversations with people, life-giving conversations with myself, and just reminding myself of who I am in Christ created out of wholeness that that's my being who I am is a whole being in Christ and as I surrender to the Lord as I spend time with the Lord I'm, I'm just reminded of of that wholeness and it's so restorative to just spend that time in rest it doesn't mean that I'm sleeping or napping all day or, or watching movies or in a vegetative state all day that's not really what Sabbath is about but Sabbath is about finding rhythms that can help you it's a practice of finding these rhythms that can help remind you of who you are in Christ. And so that's a practice that's been really transformative to me. I, I kind of began the journey a year and a half ago, but it, it, it took me about almost a year to figure out like what were the right rhythms for me. I tried to do it on Mondays and that didn't really work well for me. And so I moved it to Fridays, which has been a, a meaningful interruption to the cadence of my week. And so um, I, I give that to you as an illustration of, as an example of a practice that, that maybe um, you could try on. But each of us are going to have different formative practices that are going to help to remind us of who we are in Christ. But I think that that's the most important piece that what it means to be whole is it means that I am reminding myself of who I am in Christ and I move from a posture of that being. My doing flows out of my being. What I do flows out of who I am. I'm not defined by what I do, but I'm defined by who I am in Christ and the good news that Jesus came to offer me a new way to be human, a new way towards wholeness, a new way towards alive living. And so with that, um, just, I want to invite you to really reflect on these questions of you know, what is the 3 to 5% growth that I want to experience in this year 
What are the practices that might support me in growing towards wholeness? What are the practices that might support me in remembering my being in God, who I am in Christ? So I want to invite you to reflect on those questions and to remember that you have been transformed. You are being transformed and you will be transformed. It's not about becoming less broken, but it's about becoming more whole. And you can take steps towards that wholeness. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. Amen. Hey friend, thanks for walking with me on the journey today. Before you go, I want to invite you to do three easy things so that we can continue to walk together. First, subscribe to the podcast. Second, share the podcast with a friend. And third, head on over to my website, sarahrgotier.com, where you can download your free field guide with a practical exercise that will support you towards a live living. Let's continue building one another up to live alive one conversation at a time.